Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford, and I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And as always, it is a great privilege to be able to greet my congregation here in Dallas and those who are um, part of this congregation in so many places, as well as to greet uh, our Saints Network family. What a blessing it is to enjoy this walk together. I, I think back on the, the ways that I have lived in the church over the many decades, as far back as I can remember, which would be to the very early 1960s. Boy, that sounds old, doesn't it? Um, but, and God, God was so good to me throughout all those years, and there are things that I cherish through those years, but I cannot imagine living in those days again, having known what I know about this walk of the saints and being able to participate in the working of the throne of God as an intercessor and and to do so with you. That is, that is an amazing, miraculous walk. And I, I just want to give God thanks for this. It seems like I do it every day, but we, we very much appreciate the, the privilege of enjoying this walk and to be able to enjoy it alongside of each of you. We had quite a week last week here in uh, in Dallas and throughout our network. We felt the Lord leading us to a week of fasting with some very specific directives, primarily from the book of Ezra. We aligned ourselves with the principles that the scripture detail there. And then we had a wonderful time of prayer, welcoming a number of our Saints Network family together on Saturday through the miracle of uh, our, our, our Zoom Connect. And we came through that on Sunday with a great a measure of rejoicing as we delighted in the Lord. And at that time, he really put it in my heart that we needed to pause for a bit, not for an elongated period of time, but for a bit to reflect on what God has been doing recently, what he did during these past days, and to really allow the Spirit to do a measure of assessment. That certainly is in alignment with one of the seven spirits of God, the spirit of truth and sonship, where we come together as sons and we rejoice at what things God has done and we reflect, we fellowship with him and to a large degree with each other and we look forward to what God is going to new, do new in the next phase of what he has in store for us. So often we, and I have, I'm guilty of this, we go from victory to victory and while we do reflect and we want to learn, we move rather quickly through that segment. And I, I felt very strongly that God wanted us to dwell with him just to, just for a little bit longer uh, in, in uh, letting the Spirit remind us and illuminate things that we offered to God, why it was necessary, and as the Spirit would desire to reveal, we would have ears and we would hear. And so... That's 
one of the main things that I've been trying to do uh, over these past few days. And I say trying to do because we have so much work ahead of us, so many kingdom responsibilities, and uh, they need to be uh, prayed about. They need to be planned in obedience to the directives of the Spirit. They need to be implemented so that we can then follow them through. And I, I always have a tendency to want to press into that. I don't want to get ahead of God because that, that's disastrous. But I do want to be someone who is listening in faith and is willing to go forward. So for me to try my best to idle the engine a bit and to wait, uh, I, I feel the urgency of the Spirit so much. Uh, it's, it's like the goodly horse in battle. It's like so many other times in Scripture, like David at the mulberry trees, uh, where we're waiting. And we talked about that waiting, where God had people wait for three days. He had them wait. And we did pray last week, but now he's speaking so many wonderful things. And as we shared yesterday on Saints Radio, one of the main things that I'm deducing is how important it is for us as sons to do whatever we can to please God. I mean, to, to really please God. And we mentioned what God said to Cain, where he said, if, if you're functioning in the tobe, won't you be accepted? And that word means to become a person of dignity, to become a person who, through the Spirit, is, is raised into a point of, of, of uh, not only accountability, but greater efficacy, greater weight in the Spirit. And it, but if you don't, if you don't do what is Tob, missing the mark is crouching at the door. And um, so we have the we have that privilege of hearing God and doing what is His Tob, which is acceptable. And through that, then He adds to us. And I I came then to the book of First uh, John and in First John chapter 3 the Lord says uh, or John says through the anointing of the Spirit verse 22 whatever we ask or I tell we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That verse just really stood out to me as a clarion call. Of course, it then proceeds to talk about the spirit that is within us, that God has given to us. It speaks about the potential of being deceived by an antichrist spirit uh, through false prophets who deny that the Lord came to do this work of sacrifice and patterning with sonship in the flesh. You know how many churches now are, are openly receiving that type of false prophetic antichrist doctrine? I mean, it's, it's been in the church since the almost since the inception. John said, you know, the Antichrist is functioning even then. But this lie that the Lord didn't really come. He was like a phantasm. And um, he was just here, but he really wasn't in the flesh. And he didn't really pattern sonship. In fact, there is no father. You know, all of that stuff. It's just mainstream now in so many churches, and that's disgusting. You see the battle lines drawn for the end time. But John is writing about 
pleasing, doing things that are pleasing in God's sight, according to his eyes, according to his ways, and that in conjunction with keeping his commandments. Now, I think that we should just think for a bit about where the scriptures talk about these commandments. And once again, I, I'm trying to encourage you to study the word. I could print all these out and give you a handy sheet, but you've got your computer there. You've got your phone there. Look this up. Tap on to the word translated as, as commandments. It's entole. And it is a, it's something that is communicated intelligently. You receive it and you do it. Now, throughout the Gospels, this word was regularly used to describe what God commanded in the Old Covenant. You know, particularly the Ten Commandments, but other dimensions of the law. But then Jesus talked about how that he, as a son of the Father, would, um, would be functioning on behalf of the commandment that the Father had given him. And then, because he'd received that intelligence from the Father, that's what he spoke, and that's what he did. And if you, if you peruse um, so many of the places in the Scripture where this word is used, uh, you, you find that there are a lot of wonderful things that are spoken about regarding our keeping this type of commandment. And, of course, John speaks about it a great deal. Um, in, in 1 John 2, it reminds me of Dennis Stewart's book, Hereby We Know, but it says, Hereby we know, we do know, that we know him if we keep his commandments, if we terio, in our terio, what he is telling us to do. And he that says, I know him, and does not keep in his terio those commandments is a liar. And the, the measure of discovering things that have been hidden under the direction of the Spirit is not in them. But who keeps his word, God's agape can be perfected. I, I think that is very interesting. And you also see other examples of this, particularly in, um, in Revelation, where it says that the dragon was wroth with the women, woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. That's Revelation twelve seventeen. if you're following along. 1412 of Revelation says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. 2214, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may have right, exousia, an authority to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. So this measure of commandments is, is of utmost importance. It's not the letter of the law. It's not just thumping your Bible. Even though any commandment, entole, that God is going to give to you is going to align with what the Scripture says. Now, it may not align with tradition. It may not align with the way you have fallen into a pattern of doing things. But the entole of directives from God will not contradict the written scriptures. It just won't. Uh, one time I was talking to someone and I was appalled by what they said. I, I said, you know, this thing is not scriptural. And this person said, oh, we do a lot of things that aren't scriptural. And I thought, Dear Jesus, did I just hear you say that? You just said it so 
aggressively and authoritatively as if it was a matter of fact, and it is not. So, when you begin to say that God gives commandments when the Father is speaking to you and you're, you're ministering in the Word and you're receiving commandments from God, uh, you've got to be a person of prayer. You've got to be a person who's aligning themselves with the Scripture, and you really have to know, especially if you're leading people, that what you're hearing is not a matter of from your emotions or not some um, knee-jerk reaction that you're just a person of action and you're trying to create things. That's that it, you're, you're really borderline taking the name of God in vain when you do that. And there's not a good fate for those who do that. And I've, I have, with fear and trembling, gone before the Lord and asked him, sincerely, don't ever allow me to have any thoughts that would even remotely do that. And if there are ways that in my past that I have said something that was mixed up with my own desires and said that it was you that was saying it, forgive me of that. You try your very best to reflect purely what God is saying, so that if you say, thus says the Lord, it's not, thus says me, and I think the Lord agrees. So, the entole, those commandments, we keep them, we receive them as part of our terio responsibility, and we keep them as part of our being students of the Word, the written Word, but this is, this is what John says, that if we ask in that word which we've studied in depth, iteo, this is a der- the derivative is the petitions, that is the highest level of, of intercessory declaration in the scripture. And it, it is speaking, it's almost like the New Testament version of command ye me concerning my sons concerning the work of my hands um, you, you're, you're uttering those declarations based upon what God has revealed through supplication and waiting on him and you know that this is what God is saying it's, it's it, you know prosuke revelation in supplication is Clarity, it is directives for what God wants you to see, and it usually, usually indicates things that are immediately in front of you. And it's it's something that you should be proclaiming and calling forth based upon time spent with God in supplication. But when you get to an Iteo type of a thing, and that word is used a lot in the New Testament, it's a different dimension of declaration and prayer um, you're directly with the father you're not wishing and hoping and stitching together your 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 leaves of scripture to try to convince God to do something you know God has said this and you're releasing this forth almost as an Old Testament prophet would and this is the confidence we ask anything if we are um, if we are doing the things that his word says and uh, in and, and and we are we are asserting what the scripture tells us and we are we are walking as god would have us walk whatever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments in our terio and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now I come back to this, this pleasing in God's sight. And I look through bunches of scriptures about doing things in God's sight. And we know, again, we know that the eyes of God are God's seven spirits, his ways. Scripture says that. And 
we recognize that God watches everything. He sees the tobe and the raw. He searches for people whose heart is pure, who will be on their face before him. God sees those things. But to please God, to please God, to, to truly bring a measure of divine satisfaction, not just an accomplishing of task, even though that's important, but to please God is the essence of who we as saints should be, and I believe that it is one of the strongest strengths, strongest strengths, that's redundant, it is one of the greatest strengths that we can develop for the end time. If we would say, let, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. If we would really make as our agenda the goal of pleasing God, that is really the apex of sonship. So we, in our terio, where God has assigned us, we hear his entole, and we do them. We apply what he's teaching, what he's saying, and we please God. Then we function in this Iteo, and whatever God puts on our heart to declare and speak forward, it comes. Again, not because we've learned all the tricks in the latest rage in Christianity, not because we've read certain books and attended seminars to hear the latest song and dance of how we can get our prayers answered and get God to do what we want him to do. It's not because you've learned a new wrestling maneuver against the enemy, whether he's accusing you or wrestling with you. All of those things are glorious. But the most important thing we can do is to know that we're a person we have devoted ourselves, we're called to being a people who stand in the gap where God has called us through the power of his cross. We listen to him and we obey. It's what the friend of the bridegroom is said to do. He stands and he listens and he does. That is of utmost importance. And in the midst of all of that process, we want to please the ways of God. We, we want to do it to please Him. And you know, that is a great antidote, that desire to please God, to our ambitions, to our agendas, to our five-year plans, to our maneuvers to try to get the corner office. Those things don't really matter. It's just like so many other things in life. You have a target goal. You get that. You're great. You rejoice in it. What comes next? You either die or you start working toward the next thing. So achieving and finding an ambitious goal and realizing it. Oh, that's great. But... The next thing is upon you. History is really nothing except learning the lessons of it for the task ahead. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I forget those things be that are behind and I press forward toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You know, you can't rest on your laurels you can't just talk about the way the good old days or you should have known me then or look at the trophies I have. You're always pressing forward into the new or you should be. And um, so being a goal-oriented person is not all it's cracked up to be. Being a person who is devoted to where God has called you to being a student of his written word, to spending time in prayer, to hearing from him and doing what he says to do with the total objective 
of pleasing God. And I said it's an antidote to enemy attack in some ways. Um, you can get really frustrated if you look on things in the natural or if you even evaluate oppositions that are standing against our mission. In fact, you can, you can, your mind will race to the forefront and say, what good did it do for you to do these things? You know, look where you are. You know, you sacrificed and you, you gave your all and you had these expectations of what would happen. God did good things, but those expectations that were largely formed by your opinions and your lusts, even the clean lusts, they didn't get fulfilled. And the enemy will say, what good did it do you to serve the Lord? What good, why, why did you do these things? Look at these other people. They're prospering. How many times in the word did God say that? Your words are stout against me. Or, you know, the times where uh, the, the scripture says, you know, I did this and then they came against me and I've decided I'm not going to do any more of this. Or why, why are the heathen and why are those that do wickedly advancing? You can think those things. You have the possibility of thinking those things, even the, the most pure among you. You know, we've said this over and over again, pointed it out. Moses did this at his, next visit, his last visit to the rock. Uh, Elijah did it. We can do it. The antidote to that is... What are you doing here? What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you supposed to be doing here? And God calls you by name. How are you supposed to be hearing from me? How are you supposed to be partnering with me? How are you supposed to be doing those things with me? It's the journey. That's the most important thing. That is keeping his commandments. And, you know, Scripture talks about this is my commandment, that you agape, agapeo, to one, one another. That your joy is full. What does that mean? We sing that song, this is my commandment. We sing it, we clap, and then we change keys, and we're to everyone worship. I don't know if they even do that in church anymore. Um, it, um, it's, it's, it's a strange thing to know that you function in the entole with those who are committed to the agape of God. And what is the joy of the Lord that's set before us? It's the delight in accomplishing what God wants. The joy of the Lord is my strength to accomplish what God wants. We've studied all these principles. I think I've written books about many of these. But I'm just reminding you of them today as an exhortation. And pleasing God is the most important thing. And you, you revisit those passages that we cited in the book of Revelation. The enemy hates those people that are doing this. In fact, it is equated with the patience of the saints. And it also speaks about having access and exousia to the trees of life in paradise. Uh, the, the, the fruits and the leaves. That is a functional thing. You think about it. If you throw that promise over into just over in the glory land when we're all there. If you just think it's there. Stick with me now. 
What's going to happen? Does that mean that the saints are going to have a monopoly on the fruits of the trees of life and they'll have little, they'll put a factory up and everybody else in heaven who wasn't a saint will have to come to the saints and if they want any of the fruits of that tree, they're going to have to go through the people that God has given authority. Do you think that's what it means? I mean, Bob's your uncle kind of thing? Hey, you know... Uh, Uncle Ronnie's over there. He's got that fruit. Let's go and see if he'll give us a couple of couple of, uh, of boxes of it. That'd be great. We know him. Ron's your uncle. That's a British phrase. Bob's your uncle. Um, but but to please God, it's for now. We find that we as the seed, we as the seed, the sons of God in this day. The dragon is fighting. We as the saints have patience and will fulfill this. We have access to the city as intercessors and to the efficacy of the leaves that bring healing to the nations and the fruits that bring strength and life and vitality and uh, measures of illumination to our mind and our thinking. We need this. But it all comes back to pleasing God. Because you can have the Word. Thank God for it. I love the Word. I know you do too. You can have this glorious privilege of communicating with God and hearing from Him. And I, uh, I, I'm grateful for that too. But do you realize that you can do those things and not have as your objective pleasing God? I know. I am guilty of that at times. And I've known people who are. We get so dedicated to the task and we we we, we want to obey. We we know that this is what God wants and we've got the burden. We're pushing through. And I'm, I'm, we're goal-oriented. We've got to accomplish this thing. And God loves that. God loves that. He, he searches for people who will do that. But when, when it all is done, whether it's a campaign in a foreign country or some other kind of task that is from the Lord, so often I say, thank you, Lord, for this. Whew. That was a struggle, but we made it. Thank you for letting us serve you. Thank you for the things you've taught us that we could learn. Thank you for what's ahead. Those are all noble things. It's, it's the warrior mentality but we've got to have as the preeminent thing. Did this please the Father? My perceptions, the way I went about this, was it not, not just, was this okay with you, God? But did this bring pleasure to you, Father? And if it, at the end of the, the entire process, no matter what it is you're doing, you can do all of these things right and and be acceptable before God in the tobe. We have to make as our shining goal, and even the agape where you are pressing adamantly toward fulfilling what the passion of God's heart is, you'd say, well, wouldn't that please God? Yeah, it would. It would fulfill but I'm not even sure that that in itself, just the limits of that, as powerful and as supernatural that is, is in itself that measure where we say, you know, Father, as long as you're pleased, you, you've gained pleasure and delight all along the way, That's the most important thing. The task is great. The plan is great. 
love seeing a plan come together. The beauty of holiness. I love that. God loves that. But you could be like that old married couple, and not old married couples are this way, not even young couples, who just become so focused on getting the job done, taking care of the kids, making sure you're doing all this work and the to-do list, and, you know, you're just together, and you forget that essence that really should have been the factor that brought you together alongside of the fact, hopefully, that God directed you there. But when it comes to God, I want to please Him. And it, it really, I can't focus on this enough. It really becomes the lens through which with all of the other things that we are privileged to do, I think this is going to be, you know, the greatest of these is agape. Yes. But the, inter the internal filter in the midst of that has to be, did we please you, Father? And that's what God's been speaking to me. And I, I don't know that I want I want an anointing to be able to do that. You know, I remember when we first started here, I had been here for 17 years um, when we first started this pathway of the saints. Can you imagine that? Seven years as a staff member, 10 years as a pastor. That's That's a pretty good track record showing that I wasn't some firebrand that just came in to rip up the church or to do some newfangled thing. God changed us. You know that. So many of you were here. And so many of you in other outposts, God was directing you in similar ways. And um, that was the calling of the Spirit. And it still should be happening. And it is happening around the world. But I remember many times just saying, let me give you my heart in exchange for yours. And I meant that. And I believe he's done that. And that in itself is a weighty thing to bear. It, the heart of God does strange things to people. The heart of God will infuriate the enemy. I could tell you time and again where we would be in different countries, different cities in the United States where demonized people would just come up to me just on the street and curse at me. Um, I don't, it's not a badge of honor, but the heart of God in the saint is is a significant thing it affects people in different ways it touches your purpose and that subsequently touches the way the purpose might have been twisted in iniquity i didn't realize that i still grapple with that understanding where we can go into a place and there are many who don't want to have anything to do with what God's saying from his word. They just like things the way they are. There are those then that will say, yes, this is what I want. They're impacted by the spirit. But then there are others, and it's like you poured kerosene on a fire. They will attack. Why? Because suddenly the heart of the father is, is convicting the errancy of the way they have applied his purpose. It reminds me of that passage when the, the demonic legion of unclean spirits said to Jesus, if you come to torment us before the time, and remember we studied about that recently, now that tormenting word is a touchstone that proved whether the gold was there or the silver was there. 
there's something about the heart of the Father that that will impact a scenario. And if, if you don't recognize that that's going to go on, your mind can misprocess things. And that's, that's why I used to tell people on our teams, even our staff, after a while, it didn't matter to me that we would, you know, it, it, hear me now, hear this all out before you form a judgment, that we would go into a place and there'd be, some cases, hundreds of people, in some places, particularly in India, thousands of people. It didn't matter to me anymore whether people fall out or manifest or do do the things that they do in the spirit. Those are just indications that God is trying to deal with them. It matters to me whether we have communicated what God sent us there to do that we could identify those who were serious about receiving his call. And it matters to me that we've accomplished what our task is because so many of those people that come to the meetings are really interested in experience. I'm just telling you, it's true. There's nothing wrong with experience. It's it's fun to have an experience in the natural with the Spirit of God. It's great. Sometimes it can be alarming, but it's it's great. But the objective is not to say, oh, you know, look at all these great things that we saw happen in the meetings. God was really moving. That it is wonderful. But what do we what do we have to show with it from from it with real live disciples who God has opened their heart for the ministry of the saints and they are willing to follow. That that's the main thing to me. And I know that we're to make disciples and what Jesus said, Jesus came to bring men and women who believe in him to the Father, to redeem them to the Father, and that's what our mission is. And if you're moving in the heart of the Father, that's what your goal is. It's not just to have big meetings, or as you can put in your website that we saw this number of people receive this, and this happened, and this happened. Those are great things, but those things happen to direct people to what the Father has sent to be communicated. And but in the midst of all of it, did we please you, Father? Did we bring pleasure to you? I'm sure there's a modicum of how we followed the tobe, we obeyed what he said, we did the work, we stayed the task, we, we were willing to give, we weren't trying to embellish our own pockets or uh, we had no measure of pride. We weren't looking for people to pat us on the back or say, oh, what a great this or that you are. If that's your motive, you're done. The enemy sees you. It's like painting a big bullseye on the broadside of your ship of faith. And he's going to blast the, blast the, he's going to blast it. <laughs> I'm just rambling here, but I feel the Spirit so strongly. God wants us to please Him. And so if we believe what John said there in the signature passage in 1 John 3, we recognize that in order for us to be a people who can be with the Father and Iteo, to ask to declare what should be and and anything that God puts in our heart through that process it will be why because we keep in our terio his commandments and we do that which is pleasing in his sight
two different things, wouldn't you say? Um, we're hearing from God, we're receiving from God, we're trying to be as clear as we can about what he's wanting so that we can tell the people, and we're, we're applying that where God has called us to serve. That's one thing, but then you add to it, and we please him in his sight. We should all be asking God, Father, have I pleased you? Show me how to please you. It's not works. It's not listening to some ministry and buying their bill of goods and doing all those things. Every ministry knows what's on God's heart. Well, let me tell you what's on God's heart, that his sons please him and do those things that he commands. Maybe all the saints should say, yeah, I, I want to I do that. Because, again, it's the essence of who we are. It's the essence of our identity to please our Father. With all the things we've been privileged to learn, with all of the principles that he's taught us, with all the ways that he's used us, all the experiences, all the, all the things that are treasures that are a result of walking with him. The most important thing is, have I pleased you? And that should be our agenda. But also, that in itself diffuses pride. That in itself diffuses carnal ambition. That in itself diffuses judging things by sight, that in itself diffuses our internal desire to be applauded by men and women, to be identified for who we are. I'm, I'm just saying this. This is, there are so many people listening to me right now. To please God really diffuses those things. And in doing so, gives us a greater strength than we have in just about any other way. And, and it also uh, eliminates a target that the enemy can aim at. I mean, if he says, you know, I'm going to hit them with pride right here, or I'm going to cause them to be offended right here, or I'm going to uh, make them feel disillusioned or I'm going to wear them out because they've been working and they don't see anything. Like Gideon said, where are the miracles that our fathers talk about? Or, or uh, Elijah says, you know, uh, I've not accomplished anything. You know, it goes on and on. If we would just make it our motto in the depth of who we are to please God in his sight, It eliminates so many places where the enemy could get a grip on us. So that's the message for today. And we're still in this reflecting measure. And that's what God keeps talking to me about. And I'm happy for it. I pray that I will become what he's trying to instruct me in. And I pray the same thing for you. Now, next week, we're going to be presenting some things that, as intercessors, we should be focusing on regarding our nation here in the United States, as well as those of you in other nations. As I said yesterday, that's the the amazing thing about this particular world system, it's trying to work its work everywhere. I remember one time being in, oh, I could go on on this, maybe, I, well, I'll just say it. Sometimes when you travel to other places, 
you have people who say, oh, you know, you and your country, you think you know things, but we're really the intelligent ones. We know you're just young in this. You don't have experience and, you know, but you, you should listen to us. You know, the thing about it is that now, as the days of the end are upon us, you see the same thumbprints of the enemy in every government. And so we can all pray for our nations. And we're, we're going to do that here next week. So pay close attention, particularly on Sunday and for communications to come. But for now... Let's keep rejoicing in the Lord and reflecting. And let's say, Lord, Jesus, help me to know how you pleased the Father. And help me to follow that pathway so that I might please him. Father, I bless the saints. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given us to share the word today. Give us delightful times in your presence. And we thank you for that commune. Let us be pleasing in your sight. And we thank you for it as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. God bless you all, and we'll be speaking to you again real soon. Goodbye.